0: We brag a little bit to start off our show today. Uh, The Tribune Company is back in play and the newspapers are, ouch, really hurting after 2020. What little Google and Facebook have left behind for local advertising. It seems that Amazon is probably gonna suck up the rest of that revenue. And hot hits, we take on a toaster. For the week of April 12th, this is Media Insultant. We are in the top 8%. Unbelievable in podcasts. We've been on the air for six months. I think this is episode 35. And I'm Jackson Weaver. This is my co-host, Keith Samuels. This is Media Insultant. And we've already gotten into the top 8%. Keith, all I can say is we we are just rolling in it, buddy. Rolling in it. Bring out the champagne, Jackson. It's time to party like rock stars that we are. Well, it's interesting. There are 2 million podcasts. And fascinatingly, 74% of them have four or fewer episodes posted. And so we make it into the top 8% because we have more than 10 episodes and we do a weekly drop. And as everybody knows, by now we drop a new podcast and a new video cast each Tuesday morning. So we're in kind of the pretty elite. I think we need to go around with 8% badges on. You know, we ought to change our license plate tabs to 8%. I mean out of 2 million that ain't bad that
1: ain't bad well you know you think about it we're kind of like those uh, those radio stations with that never win in the CUME category but have great time spent listening TSL so that they they show up with great uh, average quarter hours and and great uh, and, and great rankings on AQH so yeah we're we're like the little engine that could bring it on you know okay. those NPR guys have
0: nothing on us <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for the acquisition letter of intent from iHeart anytime now. Anytime, hey, I, 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 they know where we are. <laughs> you know we we don't we don't talk about newspapers much uh, sometimes, but uh, print is an important part of the local media landscape and has been obviously much more important historically. So you begin to see battles like the Tribune right now, which is uh, being evidently in a competitive bidding war. And you're much more up to speed on this than I am. So give us an update on what's going on with Tribune and the newspaper industry
1: as a whole. Well, I've got some figures on circulation, which I'll share in a minute. They've done some um, circulation reports from last year, and it's grim, to say the least, but not unexpected. But I spent the last four and a half, five years doing business development programs for a a bunch of newspapers around the world, from Australia to to Connecticut. So I got to know and make friends with a lot of people who are trying to do good work at, at great great newspapers. And one of the companies I worked with was Tribune. Uh, So it was interesting to kind of follow what happened there. I also worked with the San Diego Union Tribune doing some programs for them as well. When they were sold to Patrick Soon-Shung here in LA as part of the deal, when he bought the LA Times and uh, uh, the San Diego Union Tribune from the Tribune publishing company, back at that time, it was called Trunk. And it was dominated by a guy named Mike Farrow. And Mike agreed to sell last year to a a friend of mine and a a group of investors he put together. That deal fell apart. He ends up selling uh, his 25% thereabouts of of Tribune to a a New York-based hedge fund known as Alden. And Alden has been gobbling up newspaper companies pretty much on the cheap uh, for the last several years. And they are famous for cutting back expenses, you know, trying to raise revenue with less people, you know, all those negative things that newspapers hate to think about because they don't like to think that they have to make money to stay alive. They just need to be a perfect paper to stay alive. Well, Alden runs it a little bit differently and they don't like that. So Alden successfully gets Mike Farrow to sell his portion of Tribune to them last year. Fast forward to last month, uh, Alden says, "We're going to buy the whole company. We want to buy the rest of the company, and we'll pay 630 million for all of Tribune. Now, Tribune right now is the New York Daily News, the Baltimore Sun, the uh, Hartford Current, Allentown Morning Call, the Chicago Tribune, uh, uh, Orlando Sun Sentinel, and the uh, did I say the Baltimore Sun? Anyway, that that's pretty much the group. L.A. and San Diego no longer part of that. Well, word gets out, and." The papers have a revolt. In fact, the reporters in Chicago say, "Oh no! This is the worst thing ever. We can't let this happen. Do not let. Do not agree to this deal. We can't let Alden buy us. It'll be horrible, horrible, horrible." So, one, uh, this this guy in Baltimore, uh, Stephen Bayman, is his name. He's the he's the chairman of Choice Hotels International, billionaire, decides. He wants to buy his local paper. He wants to buy the Baltimore Sun from Tribune. So he does like a 60-some-odd million-dollar deal to buy the, his beloved boyhood paper in Baltimore, the, the Baltimore Sun. That deal falls out when Alden doesn't, well, there's some disagreement about the services that he's going to need to maintain and pay for from Alden and Tribune to, to publish his paper. So there's something goes wrong, goes haywire and the deal gets squirreled out and off they go. So now he goes, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show those Alden bastards because they, you know, they didn't do the deal I thought they were going to do. I'm going to buy the whole company. He says, I'm, you know, and he's looking for investors. So he finds a guy in Wyoming, Hansberg Wies, a Swiss billionaire in, my, in Wyoming of all places. And he agrees to pony up some money. So these guys have put together their fortunes and they're gonna buy all of Tribune now for $680 million. And that's the big savior. So they're thinking that this is gonna this is gonna go through. It all depends on whether Patrick soon Shung here in Los Angeles, who still owns about 24-some odd percent of, of Tribune, agrees to that deal. The inside money says, Dr. Patrick has been losing his ass on the LA Times and the, and the Union Tribune, or, okay, l- not doing as well as he'd hoped that they do. And there's a lot of trauma and drama in running papers these days, not to mention trying to sell freaking ads. And he's like, I might, you know, rumor is he wants to sell those. He wants to sell the LA Times and the, the Union Tribune. But he wants to get some money back. He put $500 million in buying these papers, okay? He could have owned all of Tribune for that back then, but he just bought two of the papers. So, They're saying that he probably would love to get his 24% cashed out, get some money back in the bank and pay off what he's been spending to take over the Times uh, and San Diego. So it's a big, massive firefight between all these billionaires that want to save newspapers around the country. Now, what's really going to happen is is that the plan is, is that when the two billionaires buy Tribune, they're going to sell it off piece by piece. There's already a guy who wants to buy the Orlando paper. Okay, there's a guy in in the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania that wants to buy the Morning Call, and there's a guy that also uh, Weese, the uh, sw- the Swiss billionaire. He just wants the Chicago Tribune. He just wants to save that paper and put money down that rat hole for the rest of his life. So it's you know this is this is this. There's going to be so much disruption in these major newspapers coming up that. We won't be able to see straight, but it's going to be really fun to watch. And it's kind of fun to watch the, the missiles flying over with these guys battling it out against Alden. And I wouldn't be surprised if Alden just runs it up, uh, runs the money up and just crushes these guys, makes them pay way more than they should. And they will. And, uh, and they'll move on. But it's going to move on. Yeah. One of, one of the I think you and I were talking about this, too, over the weekend, one of the real liabilities for these companies is their pension plans. Yeah, their, their, their pension obligations are the, the boat anchor that's dragging all of print down. It's really, really tough to maintain not only just the paper as it is, but to be dragging along in the case of even in San Diego, I think it's tens of millions of dollars in pension obligations, it might be 20 to 30 million in obligations, that they've got to keep funding every year. And it's great when the market goes up, but if the market goes down, you're not getting the yields, you got to make it up because you promised- the pension fund X return, it's just, it's impossible. I'm sure that's what's nagging uh, Patrick as well, is he had to assume these pension obligations. And it's just this boat anchor dragging along. You can't do anything financially without paying for that. And it only gets worse when you take on the Chicago Tribune or the beloved Baltimore Sun or any of these other papers, because unions, you know, the newspapers are so much more unionized than what we're used to in radio and television, you know, the print production, that part, the factory part of the paper, that's heavily unionized. The distribution is heavily unionized. The reporters are unionized, and even some of the sales staffs are unionized. It's well,
0: crazy.
1: It, it, it's a different ownership, but the Seattle
0: Times here in Seattle had a unionized sales force, which is yeah. just—I mean, talk about a
1: a non-starter. But so so everybody's got these pensions. But it, it gets worse, Jackson, because the uh, uh, out of the UK, the Press Gazette just just reported on the top ten newspapers. And what happened to their print circulation in 2020 during the pandemic? And the worst performer last year, losing 60% of their daily print circulation was USA Today. They went from 486,000 daily copies to 194,000. They lost 292,000 subscribers last year. Try getting that back. Was was there a significant reason for that? Well, they say that that the significant reason was that because travel was affected so severely that the hotels that all buy USA Today to put under your door or leave in a stack down at the coffee shop at the Marriott Courtyard uh, weren't open. So no papers. The Journal got affected by that too. The Wall Street Journal had a 19% decline. They're down to uh, 810,000 daily print subscribers. They're the top print subscribing paper in America. Twice, more than twice the size of the New York Times. The Post was down 15%. The Times was down 12%. The LA Times was down another 10%. Those poor guys now have a daily print circulation of 173,629. That's a tenth the size of probably the 10th or 12th ranked radio station. You know, we got radio stations over 3 million in, in weekly circulation, listenership. The Times is rapidly shrinking into oblivion and it's It's somewhat sad. And the New York and the Washington Post is down 9%. So, not a pretty year if you're a guy trying to sell big national ads to Macy's and uh, all the big retailers for your newspaper, because guess what? There's no readers left. But on the other hand, they've got billionaires who
0: want to buy them as, uh, you know, not unlike sports teams, almost as a vanity play.
1: You know, it's going to turn out to be just a vanity business, I guess. Well, you know, you have that. That's the case in 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 Boston, where uh, John Henry, who owns the Red Sox, owns owns the Boston Globe now. You got a, another guy in, in in Minneapolis that owns you know sports teams, but also now owns the Star Tribune. You know, it's become their it's become the virtue signaling home run. I'm buying the paper, and uh, and then they do it, and then they realize that wow, this is one freaking tough business. Is anybody selling any ads? Are we making any money on this deal? And so what they're discovering is that they're, they're, they're changing, they're exchanging print dollars, print ad dollars for digital dimes. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just like, oh, we got to do a lot more digital than we ever did in print. (laughs) Well, and
0: and that's a, that's another whole discussion, but that's, that's so much more work and so, Unbelievably competitive today; that it is a very tough transition, and you hit it on the head. Yeah, it's about a ten to one ratio. Take a look
1: at your uh, your Seattle Times today, and see how thick it is. Heaven forbid you go pick up an Everett Herald up there, and (laughs) you know. And I know that the you know the Times on Monday is paper thin. You know, thank God they sell the outside wrapper for it because otherwise, you know, uh, I can probably count the ads at one hand.
0: Well, you know, and speaking of local media, you know, just when the pandemic has killed everybody on local businesses, local restaurants, local hardware stores, local furniture, clothing, everybody has gotten hit hard. It seems that this pandemic has been a boom for Amazon. We all know that shopping from home has exploded exponentially. And yet on top of that, locally, according to eMarketer, some new data the advertising for ad that amazon did in local markets grew from 7.8 to 10.3 15.3 billion dollars worth of revenue and the the point is is that their their growth really comes at the expense if you have a local retail outlet and you're doing any online sales you're not using local radio or local print to promote it you're using amazon because you're promoting it within their ecosystem if you will mm-hmm. and then so you take amazon Google's at uh, almost 29% of digital advertising. Facebook's at 25%. You know, these three companies are are, are simply mopping up local digital advertising and makes it really, really tough for, for anybody else. And the pandemic just spread up the process. So I think the, uh, the the point in all of this is, boy, if you buy something from somebody local and believe in local businesses, and I know this is probably a useless plea, buy locally respond to local advertising and, you know, maybe maybe some of these businesses and some of these media can be saved. Do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Well, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think that, uh, and, you know, and Amazon does all they can to, uh, to spike their search results so that they're going towards companies that advertise with them uh, or that they they make themselves, you know, they private label themselves. So it's a, you know, it's a fun, fun way to shop and an easy way to shop. Sadly, it was the only way the shop back in you know back in April and May uh, and you know uh, with the government locking everything down it just it just threw every piece of business to Amazon that, that you possibly could. it was scary so now we got to get it back. The good news we're seeing this with a lot of restaurants in our area anyway here in Los Angeles uh, where it's been draconian the lockdowns have been absolutely draconian. people can't wait for Disneyland to open up in two weeks. you know it's just and you go to these restaurants and they're packed. I mean not like they were, but sidewalks are packed you know every table filled everybody just wants to get the hell out you know yeah, uh, yeah. you know we were on the road over Easter weekend and uh, you know one of the hotels we stayed at in the Monterey Peninsula area completely sold out and had been for weeks and was sold out for the next few weeks people are just anxious to go back and experience life again i, I think that'll help that'll help the local businesses that are left come back a bit but i think these rosy uh, predictions by Burrell and IAB and all these other guys that watch this stuff about how much more local businesses are going to spend in local advertising, I think is really, really wishful thinking. Yeah, because I don't think there are that many left that are going go, to hang out there and, and make the commitments. If anything, it's going to be last minute. They're going to go week to week. They're going to go not even month to month, but they're just going to go week to week because you never know another variant could hit and, and the governor could shut it down. You know, you just, you just don't want to have those obligations out there beyond when you can do business because they're, they're literally barely getting by now. Coming back would be better. I don't see giant double digit increases in local advertising from these guys. No. And if no. they do spend it, they're going to go spend it digitally first. And, and, and that's where Amazon and the, the other two guys will, will clean up. But I, I just hope and pray that, that we can have a bit of stability for, the rest of the year so that we can get back and get to our local businesses and save them.
0: Yeah. Let's see what it looks like when, when August rolls around. I think August is kind of, you know, that demarcation when we think that things will, will get an an awful lot better. And, you know, we were bragging earlier about being in the top 8%. So we're going to jump into hot hits right now, which is just some hits on some things. Chelsea Clinton's got a podcast. Yeah.
1: yeah, Is there, uh, is there no end to your excitement? Oh, absolutely no end. We'll see how many episodes she does. But uh, the iHeart guys, you know, they love the Clintons. They've got the, they've got every Clinton now with a podcast through iHeart. So you know, uh, you know, Pittman is up there, uh, you know, hanging out in Chautauqua. You know, probably giving him <laughs> a ride on the plane.
0: Yeah it uh it 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 is a political podcast, no question about it. Uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, there is so little time this is an easy one to skip. Okay, uh, what's going on in San Francisco? cumulus got a new market manager what what's this
1: what's the churn there? Yeah, well, well, Doug Harville had been the the longtime market uh, longtime GM at kCBS and kCBS is a legendary station in San Francisco, obviously been around for 70 years, maybe more than that, but but as a CBS, O and O, and now Intercom, and then Intercom brings in their own people. And Doug Harville, who's a, I think a real solid news talk manager, gets the boot. So Cumulus picks him up. He becomes the Cumulus market manager. Beginning of the year, Doug announces his retirement, that that May 1st, he's um, he's gonna hang it up. And, and how great that he gets to do that. He's a good guy, quality manager, but he also goes out on his terms. Nobody in radio gets to do that anymore. You get your ass shown to the door and, you know, thanks a lot. But you get to the opportunity to explore new career opportunities. Yeah, you get to pursue new up. Op- yeah, you're, yeah, Spend right. more time at home with my family. Exactly. I'm, look, you know, the missus and I are looking forward to traveling so much more. Um, <laughs> so, so, Doug, so they, so interestingly enough, you know, they, they just announced last week, I saw the ad for his position the week before. So this has been common knowledge for a couple of three weeks. Intercom, Intercom LA has been advertising for a VP DOS. Well, wait a minute. They've got a VP DOS. It's Larry Blumhagen or Blumhagen. And he's been there about six years. Uh, That's so fast. <laughs> so why are they advertising for his job? Did he get fired? No. It was announced last week that he's replacing Doug Harville as the market manager for Cumulus in San Francisco, where Larry had been poached from to come down to work uh, as the LADOS so he's going back to San Francisco Doug Harville he used to be Doug's sales manager you know at, at CBS so uh, you know radio's the great recycler and you, you know it, you never know who's putting the band back together but uh, Dave Milner and Doug Harville got their guy back and now uh, Jeff Fetterman's looking for a VP DOS and I've got a I've got a drawer full of guys that have worked for for Fetterman here in L.A. And I'm 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 pretty much betting the bank that there's somebody in his band that's going to come back to that VPDOS job. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The the business recycles a lot of them, and uh, you know we don't uh, we don't do enough uh, East Coast stuff. But I think this situation with Rock 97 in Buffalo is so interesting. They uh, had a, a morning guy who made a very off flavor joke comparing the shades of skin color to shades of toast in a toaster. And it wasn't a particularly funny bit. I mean, it might have been okay if it had been really funny, but it wasn't that funny. And then on top, so uh, obviously this was inappropriate to Cumulus. So they fire him. And a couple of days later they go, you know, we're not just going to fire him. We're going to fire his producer, his executive producer, his intern, and the program director. So they completely clean house on, on this for this one air talent's comment about a toaster. Really thin ice these days between being provocative and interesting and entertaining and saying something that's over the line that gets you just completely blown out.
1: Yep. Thoughts? Yeah. yeah, it's just, uh, you know, obviously the, 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 the Cumulus folks found, you know, more dare I say, systemic problems there than, than they likely knew uh, were, were right. there ahead of time. But it just also makes you think, who, who's managing? I mean, who's, who's talking to these guys? Like going, guys, guys, guys. Remember that toaster bit you did? You do once in a while? That's going to cost you your job the next time you do that, okay? So that, let's, just, let's just memory hole that and don't even think about it. But, you know, hmm. we've all had things come out of our mouths that go, oh, it's that oh no second that happens when you went, you're, you're going to say it, but you do it and you go, oh no, I said it, you know, so maybe there wasn't enough contrition by the morning guy, you know, by the way, this didn't happen immediately. This took a couple of days for the morning guy to get popped and like a week went by before they popped the rest of the guys. Right. Right. So, you know, so there's, there's you know there's major cleanup on Isle rock 97 in buffalo major cleanup you know <laughs>
0: well it it certainly it certainly, uh, certainly lends some credence to maybe we should return to
1: time and temp jocks you know
0: <laughs> yeah just just read the liners 84 degrees at 1022 <laughs> at rock 97
1: <laughs> yeah they're out they're out ice fishing on lake erie have fun guys you know <laughs> well and you know there's some big shakeups in honolulu too to speaking of that well, yeah, this seems to be going around. There's there's a couple of jocks at iHeart's one of iHeart stations in Honolulu and they've got the dominant cluster over there. They've been a monster uh, cluster in, in Honolulu since the mid-90s when they bought into the market. And there, there are a couple of, of jocks that are out on a, on a remote because they still do remotes in Honolulu and people still show up for them there, I guess. And uh, they make some comments about a, a singer, performer uh, and link it to... You know, describing some weird part of homelessness, and you know, uh, just got really, really kinky and and very politically incorrect and and not very nice. So those two guys get popped, and then a week or two later, they pop the GM. Well, I, I, they they just replace him. There was no like, oh, and so uh, there was. And this guy uh, Chuck Cotton has been the GM there since the mid '90s. He took over for a friend of mine by the name of Bob Longwell, who's just a lovely, lovely guy. And Bob was the market manager for Honolulu. What a great gig. Really, he was the first iHeart market manager there. And he did a great job. It was Clear Channel back in those days. And then Clear Channel moved Bob to Sydney, Australia, to run the ARN network, the Australia Radio Network, which was the biggest group in Australia at the time. And they, they, they put Chuck Cotton in the job. So now, 25 years later chuck is like shown the door because these two knuckleheads out on a remote are doing something stupid and now scott hogel the dos who's much beloved apparently and he's a big writer and motivational speaker and you've probably seen him at the reb a hundred times now scott's got the gm job finally you know this stuff going around you can't there's like one a week where somebody just gets just becomes just gets really stupid on the air and the fallout is just spectacular
0: Well, it doesn't even have to be on the air, you know, some, uh, at least half of these are social media postings or something even worse, something they said when they were 18 years old, 25 years ago, you know, it's, well, all right. And then, you know, one final opportunity for radio stations that uh, is just got to be tantalizing and that's our friends at uh, Benstown Media, they are now offering a complete setup. For an online store where a radio station or TV station presumably could sell their tchotchkes, you know, T-shirts, coffee mugs, tote bags, anything like that. And the cool thing is, is that they use radio then to promote the sale of it. And guess what, Keith? The stations get to keep five bucks on each sale. I mean... Why would you bother selling any advertising? Just sell your tchotchkes. Hey,
1: I, hey, I know, I know Chachi. When I worked with him at Clear Channel here in L.A., do you want me to sign us up? This yeah. sounds like a great deal. We got to get there before Chelsea does. <laughs>
0: he's he's actually he's a he's a great guy, and he does a he has a great a great business. My question, as much as anything, is who wears station clothing anymore? You know, uh,
1: I don't know. I think the IAB is going to be all over this. Yeah, probably. probably. But love Chachi, and uh, hey. You know, we might need to uh, get into the tchotchkes from Chachi business.
0: Oh, all right. On our website. Good, good idea. Well, all right, Keith, there you have it. We've got another edition of Media Insultant wrapped up. Uh, our opinions and ideas that uh, are probably misguided and irrelevant, but hey, we've had fun. So what do you say we do it again next week? And uh, don't forget new episodes every Tuesday on YouTube and your favorite podcasting platform comments and tips even rude ones are more
1: than welcome keith sign us off if you would please jackson it's a, we look forward to another exciting week in media and we'll be here next week same time same bat station and uh, we'll, we'll be chock full of insults again